so um, so so good morning church and uh, it's nice to it's nice to meet everybody the virtually for this time of worship and we praise god for that um, especially in this um, i mean i just want to thank god for keeping all of us safe um, even as we're going through the second wave of the pandemic uh, which uh, which which has been affecting the whole world and particularly india and i hope all of you are safe and as all of us take care of ourselves um i also want to say that uh, if any of you is in distress and if any of you needs a helping hand uh please do not hesitate to reach out to us okay uh we will definitely um we will definitely make uh make arrangements um so that the right help reaches you if you need help okay so we've been going through this uh, series the whole council of god and i hope uh, you've been learning along with uh, the rest of the church uh, as we are trying to understand some of the large themes um, which are laid in the word of god uh, it is not really possible to cover the entire bible but what we are doing is to go through the key themes and right now we have been going uh, through the old testament and if you remember uh, the the very first session that we had which george and took um you would have you you would remember that we we came across this particular slide and this particular slide if you look at what is on the top left we have the foundational books so we had genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy these were the five books of moses or it's also called as the pentateuch and this is what we've been doing over the last more than 3 months okay we went through i think about 11 lessons and they were from these five books and with that we are moving into the next section which is the historical section so we're going to go into what the blue box there which is the pre kings so we're going to be looking at the book of joshua judges and so on so this is the, so this is the next section that we are going to get into um in this particular series that we're doing and if you remember this particular slide these are the lessons which we actually did so if i am to just give you a quick recap these are some of the things that we did i'm not strictly going by what is on this particular side uh, but i just want to give you uh, an overall timeline of uh, of where we are now we if you remember the session that raven had taken he spoke about creation he spoke about how god created the whole world and everything with just his spoken word in fact he created this world out of nothing and we and if you also just jog your memory you would remember what raven said that all what was written was written in a context where the world was 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 filled with idolatry and the view that people had about god was something totally different from what the real god is and he spoke about how everything everything that the world uh, that we see in this world was created with just his spoken word he spoke and the world came into existence and he created it in a very in a in a perfect state we also later saw how god created man and how he created man to fellowship with him he gave man this this responsibility of 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 taking care of the garden of eden he was to tend and to keep it but we know how sin entered the world through the fall and 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 as a result of the fall adam and eve were driven out of the garden of eden and we also saw how god judged adam and eve and god pronounces a curse as well he cursed the ground and he pronounced his judgment but in the midst of that judgment we also you might also remember that there was hope god provided for man hope in the form of his seed 
and the seed was the lord jesus christ and then we saw how the rest of the the rest of the bible is all talking about especially the rest of the old testament is talking about how god is preparing the way for the arrival of the seed or preparing the way for the arrival of the lord jesus christ to come into this world and then what happens what happens later on i'm just jumping uh, jumping because we don't have time in order to in order to create a channel for the arrival of his son god decides to call a nation for himself and if you remember god called out abraham he called out abraham and decides to make a race and decides to make a nation out of abraham and 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 we saw how he he told abraham that he's going to he's going to give him plenty of descendants descendants that are going to be like the stars in the sky descendants that are going to be like grains of sand in the seashore so he's going to make uh, make the descendants of abraham into a great nation he also further tells that through abraham all the families of this world are going to be blessed now after all these promises uh, what happens right we later know that the israelites went into egypt because of the famine and they were stuck in slavery there and then god does god god in a miraculous way brings them out of the land of egypt and he brings them um uh, towards i mean he puts them on a journey towards towards canaan and in the midst of all this journey in the midst of this exodus um the children of israel disobeyed god several times and then god is like really upset with them and then he ensures that he extends their stay in the desert by about 40 years and after all these 40 years of wandering we actually come to the book of or we actually come to the end of the book of deuteronomy okay and if you come to the end of the book of deuteronomy which is deuteronomy chapter 34 here moses now 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 last week if you remember we said the deuteronomy is all about recounting the acts of god so so moses reviews with his people the laws of god and he recounts all the good things that god did with his people and then moses is coming to the end of uh, to the end of his life so if you go to deuteronomy chapter chapter 34 and verse 1 it goes like this that moses went up from the plains of moab to mount nebo to the top of pisgah which is opposite jericho and the lord showed him all the land gilead as far as dan and all nephtali and the land of ephraim and manasseh and all the land of juda as far as the western sea okay and and then and then i just want you to just focus on verse 4 it says and the lord said to him this is the land which i swore to abraham isaac and jacob saying i will give it to your descendants i have let you see it with your eyes but you shall not go over there so imagine moses wonderfully he led these people out of egypt he goes through the desert he puts up with these stubborn people but finally because of a mistake that he made god does not allow him to go into the promised land but god just gives him a bird's eye view this picture that you see here this is actually uh, this is actually on top of mount nebo and that water body that you see there is the dead sea and those and 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 the area around there is the plains of jericho so moses possibly would have got a view like this and finally moses dies and he was buried by god himself that is what that is what this uh, chapter says i sometimes feel bad for moses because the man after after doing so much for god god does not allow him to enter the promised land now we cannot question god we know that there was a mistake with moses but moses gets this view from on top of mount nebo 
So then we, we, we see that Moses makes an exit, right? It's almost the end of an era. And after Moses, we know that even before Moses died, uh, Joshua came into the picture. And Joshua was another mighty man of God. Joshua is the one who led these people uh, through their conquest. So the land of Canaan, there were already natives who were settled there. And Joshua was instrumental in, in, in leading the armies into these lands and capturing the land and allowing people to settle into that particular land. Now, if you look at if you look at this picture, this is a picture that this is a map that many of you might be familiar with. There's a lot of the Middle East there. And then if you go to this particular section, which is right here, this is the strip which 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 was the then Israel. Okay. And that is the strip that Mo, that Joshua and his followers are going to capture. And as they go to capture that, um, this is this is this is the this is the map which which shows how the different tribes were settled into the land. Now, if you look into this picture, this is just some bit of trivia, but something interesting for you to know. This little blue body that you find here, this is the Sea of Galilee. And then the Sea of Galilee flows down into the Dead Sea. And this stream that flows down is actually the River Jordan, where, where you know, which is often spoken about in the Old Testament and where Jesus got baptized. So the River Jordan is this blue line, and then it comes and collects into the Dead Sea. And, and, and this whole portion, which is to the left, is what is present-day Israel, and what is right is the present-day Jordan. And the United Kingdom was, was, uh, was parts of present-day Israel, Jordan, and some parts of the north and south as well. So this is just to give you an idea of, of, of what Joshua did. Joshua and his armies went and captured this land, and the different tribes were settled, like how it is, it is, it is shown in this particular picture. Now, what does uh, what does what does Joshua do, right? Towards the end of Joshua's life, Joshua does something similar to what Moses did. Joshua calls all the people together uh, to himself, and what Joshua does uh, does is he actually recounts the, the 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 acts of God. He actually tells these people where they were and how God has mightily led them through the desert. So, if you can just uh, come in your Bible to to Joshua, uh, sorry, uh, to Joshua chapter 24. We will look at Joshua chapter 24. And Joshua calls for what is known as a covenant renewal, okay? So in verses 1 to 13, we find that he tells them that, you know, how, how you all were, uh, were strangers in the land of Egypt and how the Lord brought you uh, from the land of Egypt. And then when we come to verse 14 and 15, I would just like you to focus on these verses. It says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And then it says, it is dis if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in which in whose land you're living. And then he famously says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, why is Joshua saying this? Okay, now they have come into this land. They have captured this land and they're going to live in this land. But the fact is the locals, the local Canaanites who are there and whom they have thrown out and many of whom are, are still around, they had detestable practices. They were morally some of the most corrupt people that you can find. And there is always the temptation that the that that their influence will come into the Israelites 
And so Joshua wanted to ensure that people are reminded of the fact that they should put away those gods and they should serve the Lord God alone. Okay. And which is why he says, I have decided to serve the Lord. Now, whom will you serve? And then when we come to the end of the book of Joshua, uh, if you come to verse uh, 23, chapter 24 and verse 23, it says, Now, therefore, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a, stat a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. So we find that Joshua is, is renewing the covenant with the people of Israel. He, 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 he draws their attention to the fact that they were saved. They were once slaves in Egypt and how God miraculously over the, over the last so many years, how he miraculously brought them to this place and they have given them, given them a land to call their own. Now, if you look at it, just imagine that you were in this particular generation of Joshua. If we were in that particular generation of Joshua, I would think that we would be the, we would be the greatest of generation. And, and, and why do I say that this would be the greatest of generation? Because all what was promised to their forefathers, which is, which is Abraham onwards, right? Abraham was promised that, he, that God would make him a nation. All of that was actually coming to fulfillment in this particular generation. Okay, just imagine we were there. We've been hearing these stories from our parents and from our grandparents about how we are going to become a nation. And then in the generation of Joshua, all of this is coming to pass. And this is a generation which saw how God led them through the desert, how God fed them with manna, and how, how God ensured that even their footwear uh, did not get worn out. They saw all these mighty miracles, right? They saw how God led them through, uh, uh, through a cloud by day and through a pillar by night. Imagine they're seeing these spectacular things in front of their eyes. We just sang the song, we walk by faith and not by sight. This is a generation that actually walked by faith and sight. They actually saw God's mighty hand at work. And yet, um, um, and, and, and yet what happens, right? Sorry, I'll just come to that. And yet what happens, right? These people actually go far away, um, go far away from, uh, from, from the Lord God. A generation that, that really saw the mighty hand of God falls away from God. And why does that happen? And why does that happen? That is what we want to do today in the rest of the sermon. So, so, so with that, we are actually going into, into the portion that, um, that we just read, uh, which uh, Kevin just read for us. So before that, I just want to give you an idea about what the book of Judges is all about. In that, in that particular chapter, which, which Kevin read, um, this, is, I mean, uh, this, is, this is just a nice picture, which I thought represents what the book of Judges is all about. So as the people live in this particular land, despite all the warnings that Joshua gave them, people go away from God. People repeatedly go away from God. And we see that this goes in a cycle, okay? People go away from God. What God does is God makes the neighboring countries conquer them and punish them. Eventually, as a result of the punishment, people repent. And then when people repent and cry out to God, God raises a judge. And these judges will liberate the land. And eventually, after the, after the time of those judges, the judges die. And then the people go back to their sin. And then the cycle keeps going on and on, over and over again. Sometimes, you know, when you read this book, you will be like fed up. What kind of people are these, right? 
you just give them a warning you just redeem them but but when everything goes well in life they begin to forget god they begin to run after the gods of this world god punishes them and then finally people will repent and god will have mercy he will send um uh, some of these judges to redeem them and then after some time they go back to square one it's almost like this this is a never ending cycle and in this book of judges you will find that there were about 10 judges that god raised during this time to actually rule over these people and to actually redeem them so they were not really kings but they were people whom god raised to specifically deal with an enemy territory who was harassing them and some of the well known names i have just put there there are more than this i think there are about 10 or 11 judges but you would know some of these names especially the most uh, the the some of the famous ones are samson and gideon and you would know um, there was a lady judge deborah she was a daring woman she even went to battle so it's interesting to read about uh, some of these um, some of these uh, uh, judges and i would request you to 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 please take your time uh, to read the book of joshua and judges as well so moving on right what 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 do we find here okay we find here that this is this is the portion that uh, that uh, that kevin read i just want you to focus your attention on verse and it says and all the generation also were gathered to their fathers so this is the greatest generation okay the generation that saw the mighty hand of god okay and joshua dies at the age of 110 and it says that all the generation were also gathered to their fathers and there arose another generation after them who did not know the lord or the work that he had done for israel if you look at it this is just incredible right here was a generation which saw everything in front of their in front of their eyes and yet when it came to their children it says that there arose another generation after them who did not know the lord or the work that he had done for israel what a fall right what a fall from the best of generation to the worst of generation suddenly there's a drop and not only did they not follow the lord look at what they do right in verse verse 11 it says and the people of israel did what was evil in the sight of the lord and served the baals and they abandoned the lord the god of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of egypt they went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them and they provoked the lord to anger and they even went and served the detestable gods of baals and the ashtaroth and if you go back if you rewind your mind you will know uh, i think again in one of the early early sessions we spoke about what these gods of baals and ashtaroth were all about right there were some of the most immoral gods that existed their 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 very worship itself had a lot of immoral and and sexual practices which were detestable to the lord some of these gods even required child sacrifice people would bring their babies and break their heads on the stone and sacrifice to them and these are the very sins that the children of israel got into from a generation which really saw god's mighty hand at work the very next generation began to follow the gods of this world and began to indulge in detestable practices now if you if you if you in 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 judges chapter 2 i haven't put those verses here but in judges chapter 2 and if you come down to uh come down to verse 17 it says they turned aside quickly from the way in which uh they they from the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandment of the lord and they did not do as as their fathers they quickly turned away it is almost like they were waiting for this generation to go for them to go and indulge in sin and then when we come down to verse 20 which is what is here it says 
So the anger of the Lord burnt against Israel. And he said that because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and has not listened to my voice, said, I will, I, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, right? God decided to leave some of these nations so that they wouldn't turn, harass these people and then get them to repent. So church, uh, I mean, I just want, I just want all of us to really think about this, right? What is it that causes the next generation to not follow God? Okay. Now in the Bible, one thing is very clear that when God calls people for himself, he expects us, he expects the generations to follow him. He's not calling us just individually. He wants our generations to follow him. He has a special place in his heart for children. And he wants us to do what is necessary and what his word recommends for us to ensure that the gospel or, or the light that we have is also passed on to the next generation. It's like the passing of the baton during a, during a relay. We need to ensure that, that, that the next generation also receives the light that, that, that we were fortunate to have. And, 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 and God goes at great lengths to explain um, his heart and how that is to be done. Now, if you, if you, if you, look, at, uh, if you look at Exodus chapter 12 and verse 23 to 27, now this is the portion on the Passover, okay? Very interesting portion. Now, we all know the story of Passover. We are not getting into the details, but, but, but look what it says. It says, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. And it says, you shall observe this right as a statue for you and your sons forever. So this is something not just you have to do, but your subsequent, um, your descendants as well, your generation has to do this. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep the service. Okay. Now look at this. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by the service? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt. And when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our homes. So why do we do these memorials, right? It is so that one is for you to remember, but it is also clear that when your children ask you, you are supposed to explain to them what it means. You're supposed to tell them, you should always remind people about their past and where they came from. You should tell them that we were slaves in the land of Egypt. We, we had absolutely no personal right or personal freedom. And when we cried out to God, God, God in a spectacular manner brought us out of the land of Egypt. Like the psalmist says, with, an, with, with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, he actually brought us out. And this is something we need to constant, constantly tell the children, right? Make them think about where they were and where they are today, right? And all these memorials that we do, even the Passover, it's not just meant to be another ritual. But when children ask, we are supposed to explain to them and tell them what this signifies. Another portion we find in the book of Joshua chapter 4 and verses 5 to 7. Now here they are they're coming in to, to, to make their uh, conquest, right? And, 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 and they're carrying the ark of the Lord and they reach the river Jordan. And, and, and look what it says here. It says, and Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. And look what it says then. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? You shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Okay. 
when your children ask in time to come what do these stones mean you are supposed to narrate to them this story and you are supposed to tell them how spectacularly god actually led you through right so we find that god wants us god wanted his people to create these memorials so that they would remember and that this next generation would remember the next generation is supposed to honor god just like the previous generation honored the lord so 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 what we can understand from this is god wants a godly you know gen next it is god's it is god's intention that generations follow him right often times that is something which we as parents we as the present generation might neglect but the bible reminds us to constantly ensure that that the baton is passed on the light is passed down to the next generation now some of you who are sitting here i know you guys are not married uh, uh, maybe marriage is a long way off but you know i just want to tell you that there is something coming in this sermon for you as well so don't think that okay this is not something for me i don't have kids uh, please uh, please please stay focused and 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 i will tell you in some time uh, how this has a significance for you as well okay so with that with that i just want to take our attention to the book of deuteronomy chapter 6 so i spoke about the fact that we are in the historical section but but because this deals with 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 talking about and nurturing the next generation i thought today we can do a meditation from the book of deuteronomy and chapter 6 and deuteronomy chapter 6 is considered to be the the magna carta of the family and hence i thought it is very appropriate that that we go into this particular lesson and look at the truths that god has laid us uh, uh, the laid for us here okay so now this is again moses moses is 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 talking about uh, he's he's recounting the mighty acts of god and 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 there are clear instructions in this for the family and how to bring up the next generation so deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 to 6 it's it goes like this now 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 I, I I hope to finish this on time but I might take some extra time so just bear with me <clears throat> for that it says now this is the commandment the statutes and the rules that the lord your god commanded me to teach you so that you may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it that you may fear the lord your god you and your sons and your sons sons by keeping all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long okay now what is important here is i just want you to observe some keywords what it says is now this is the commandment the statutes and the rules okay when god is telling this he's saying this is a command it's not something optional okay the word command is sometimes um, sometimes taken very lightly but command is a command if you look at if you look at what happens in the military when a command is given it is accepted and it is obeyed it is not a request from the lord it is a command and it says and who is commanding this it says the lord your god has commanded it is not anybody else it is not some angel it is not it is not just a judge or a ruler who is giving you this command but it is the lord your god who is giving you this command and when the lord your god gives you this command what are you expected to do it says that you may do them right not that you may do them sometimes no you may do them period that's what you have to do the statutes of the lord are to be done at all times and you have to do them now another thing that you need to keep in mind is where are you supposed to do them you're supposed to do them in the land and which is this land this is the land of canaan and why is god specifying this because in the land of canaan there is it is it is loaded with temptation right the detestable practices of the canaanites 
God knew that are going to be such a lure for these people. And which is why he's reminding them that when you go into this land, you are supposed to do all of this. And you are supposed to stand out from the rest of the people, right? You are not supposed to go into the land of Canaan and become like the Canaanites. In fact, you're supposed to go into the land and, and, and show that you're different and you have to, and your life has to reflect who you are. It says that you may fear the Lord, your God, you and your son and your son's son. So God is expecting this, this you to keep your identity in that land, not just you, but your children and your grandchildren as well. And again, he's saying by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, there is no option, right? So if there are 30 things to do, you have to do all 30 things. It is not like you can pick and choose what is convenient to you, right? It is going to be difficult because in, the, in that strange and foreign land, which has now become your land, it is going to be difficult. It is going to be, it is going to be difficult for you to go against the tide, but there's no excuse. You are supposed to keep it all and you're supposed to and, and, and keep, keep all his statutes and his commandments. Because why? Because I commanded you, right? Which I command you. And, and, and what is the period that you have to obey this, right? All the days of your life. So all statutes, all commandments, all days of your life. Simple, right? Of course, it, it may not be, it may, it may not be simple, but that is the expectation, right? God's absolute standards tell you that you're supposed to keep all his commandments, all the days of your life. There is no argument. There is no question. And this is what God expects of you. Okay. And then we move on. Okay. We come to, we come to verse three. It says hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. What caught my attention are these two words here and be careful, right? He's telling these people here, here, you have to listen right now without listening, without hearing. I mean, in the Bible, it says that faith comes by hearing. You have to hear. And then you not only have to hear, you have to be careful to do them. I just want to ask us, right? Uh, as, 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 uh, as Christians in today's, in this century that we live in and with all the convenience that is here before us, do we hear the word of God sufficiently, right? Are our ears open to, to hear the word of God? I just want to, I just want to draw your attention to this very series that we're doing, right? We're trying to do a series where we're trying to, all of us study the word of God together as a family. Are your ears really open to studying the word of God? Are we really taking the word of God seriously? And are we really taking care to do what, 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 uh, what the word of God is teaching us. You know, I know somebody who is not part of CBR. He's actually watching each of our sermon series and reading the Bible and keeping in uh, and keeping, uh, keeping up because he was saying that this is the best way for him to study the Bible. He's a new, he's a, he's a new believer, right? How many of us within the church are actually taking that effort to hear and are taking that effort to be careful, to do what the word of God is asking us to do. And here the children of Israel were asked to hear and be careful to do them. And again, in verse 4, it says, hear, O Israel, right? Now, this is, this is coming to the Shema, which, which Raven explained last week, right? After all of this, he's saying, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What does hear, O Israel mean? That is the Shema. And what is the Shema? You know, the word Shema actually means hear. And the word Shema also means obey. 
So in a way, it is implied that you know you hear and you obey. You hear and you obey. It's like two sides of 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 the same coin. And there was no argument that you hear and you obey. So when God says something, you obey it. There's no refusing. So it says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is one. He is unique. He is the only one out there. Right? All the gods that you find in the land of Canaan, they are all man-made. They have." they have like the psalmist says they have eyes but don't see ears but don't hear they are detestable but the lord our god the lord is one and that is what the shema says right the shema says hear and obey you know when the israelites came together they would read from the scroll and this is one of the things that was repeatedly read out to them hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one we need to have that high view of god that this is the god he is unique he is the one lord almighty he is the one who created the whole world and everything in it he is the one who saved us from the land of egypt and in our case he is the one who gave his life and he brought us redemption and after the after after it explains all what god has done for you right after it explains all these things it says you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might and these words that i command you today shall be on your heart right so so god is not just asking us to love him for nothing right when we didn't deserve he chose us he redeemed us he gave us an identity he made us his own possession and after that he's telling that you shall love me with all your heart with all your soul with all your might and whatever i'm teaching you it shall be in your heart is it is it, is god asking us for too much i don't think so right he's given us everything he's given us everything when we didn't deserve he gave it all to us and then he's asking us to have the prime place in our heart you know the prime place in our heart should be for the lord right and this is what god expects of us as we raise the next generation So what is this? What is this? What is this ocean actually talking about? Okay, raising a godly generation starts with loving God passionately. We need to love God passionately. We shouldn't love God by way of a chore or by way, but or, or by way of duty. No, we are supposed to love God passionately. It is, it is, it it is in our heart. It is in our soul, and we have to do it with all our might. That's how we have to love Him passionately. Now, when we love someone passionately. you know all our deeds and all our acts it just flows out of that love and that is how we are supposed to love god and when our next generation is is seeing us and is watching over us they are supposed to see that passion with which we love our god and let me tell you that uh, you know the kids today are so smart they know when you're putting on a show they know when you're putting on the facade and they know when you're loving the lord passionately they are much smarter than what we think if you want your next generation to follow the lord right love god passionately it has to come from your heart don't do it by way of a chore whatever service you're doing <coughs> whatever service you're doing to the lord ensure that you do it passionately right and when your children look at you they are supposed to see that they they're supposed to notice that you know you're standing out with your obedience right children can ask you a lot of questions but they should see the passion with which you are loving the lord so church i just want to challenge you right 
that 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 if you're involved with raising a godly generation start with loving god passionately first love the lord right and that is what is most important we'll just uh, we'll just uh, move on we'll go to the next section okay which is deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 7 to 9 it says you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates now what does this mean what does this mean right does it mean that you have to just hound your kids go behind them all the time and when they are sitting when they are walking when they are lying when they are rising all the time um quote bible verses to them of course not that's not what it means right but but observe this word it says you shall teach them diligently diligently to your children we need to have a plan when it comes to teaching our children right we need to be intentional when we look at raising our kids right now now we shouldn't think that you know kids have just happened by accident and because they suddenly happen to be my kids that i somehow need to raise them no we need to be diligent in bringing them up if if children were just there for you know company and and uh, and and for some fun in the house you know then you might as well have done it with a pet that's not what it means right children have a special place in 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 god's sight it says you shall teach them diligently how many of us actually make a diligent effort to talk to our kids right and i'm not referring to uh, you know referring to um, uh i mean and we might think that you know i have family altar in the morning i have family altar in the evening that's all great and fantastic my kids go to christian schools like heritage or clarence or wherever that's not what it means right that's not what it means right what does it mean by saying that when you talk when you sit when you walk when you lie down what does it mean right may ensure that the word of god is preached to them without ceasing we we often speak of a uh, pray without ceasing but there's you know this is speaking about teach without ceasing and what does it mean as what it means is that ensure that in the various things that they do that you, you constantly point them to christ you constantly point them to the lord okay so so for example for example now we are going through this pandemic right and here our kids are pretty upset that they can't do a lot of things that um, that uh, that they that they would do they can't mingle much we can't visit people we can't we, we can't do a lot of things use even this occasion to tell them that even through this god is sovereign right there is something that god is trying to teach the world right and that is going to come to pass so show them point them to god right talk to them about the plagues that happen in egypt this is this is another plague which is happening 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 in this day and age right show them how god is still sovereign even through all of this and when we when we when we pray for different people and when prayers are being answered talk to them about how god has been answering our prayers and sometimes our kids as they go as they grow up in school they will they, they are seeing a lot of things and they go to ask you questions always point them to jesus christ and when they ask us why we are not doing certain things like the way uh, possibly their friends or others do tell them why we are different don't give them this this uh, this uh, the standard answer that okay that's not for us to do right reason with them let them think when you go on a holiday right when you drive into the mountains or when you when you when you see the ocean 
use that occasion to talk to them about about god's creation right did all of this happen by accident did some blast happen and everything everything just come into being get them to think right get them to think so when you sit when you walk when you lie down you know always always try to be creative and try to point your kids to the word of god and try to point them towards towards what a mighty god um that uh, what a mighty god we have right and always be intentional in in the way we raise up our kids kids of kids might often ask us why is there so much evil in this world right especially once they reach a certain age when they are in a position to talk they they have lot of questions and never brush those questions aside but always indulge them in conversation and point them to christ so that is what it means right they you shall talk of them when you sit when you walk when you lie down and when you rise speak to them right like how you pray without ceasing you preach to them without ceasing and then it says you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates it's not just referring to you know um uh, you know on your wall or on your house you just put these uh, verse boards that's not what it says it it's all talking about constantly reminding these kids about who their god is you know if you um, um uh, the jews they take this to another extreme especially some of the orthodox uh, jews even today what they do is they they actually have these little books of torah and they literally bind it on their forehead and walk around now that's not what it means right that's that's that, that that's losing the spirit of uh, what this says but we are supposed to internalize all of this you know this picture that you see here this is the picture of a of an orthodox jew and and this little box on his forehead is called a phylactery and there is a small tora in that and they tie it on their forehead that's not what god is telling us to do what god is actually telling us to do is to raise a godly raising a godly uh, generation requires us to teach them diligently so i hope that all of you would really take this seriously if they, if you have been lax in 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 the way you've been teaching your kids i'm just telling you be creative guys be creative okay use every occasion um, um use to make topical discussions uh, and and ensure that the the that that god remains the focus uh, within your house okay now we move on we come to the next section which is deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 10 to 19 we will we we'll look at um, we we'll look at uh, verse 10 onwards what it says is and when the lord your god brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers to abraham to isaac and to jacob to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant and when you eat and are full then take care lest you forget the lord who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery now what this is telling you is that that you know this generation amazing generation right they're going to go and occupy the land and and they're going into a developed uh, a developed city okay you can i mean just keep that just keep that in your mind who are these people they were wandering in the desert and finally they're going to come to a place and they don't have to build anything much right it says that the house is full of good things that you did not fill they're going to have cisterns that you did not dig they're going to have ready made vineyards they're going to have olive trees that you did not plant and they're going to get all of this god is bring them to a place where they're going to have everything 
it's like moving into a service department you just you just walk in and start living or it's like you know people migrate from india to a developed country right maybe europe or us or canada or wherever and you and, and normally you migrate from a lesser developed place to a developed place and when you go there your quality of life increases suddenly you have everything 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 at your disposal right and when material prosperity comes to you what does god say it says then take care lest you forget the lord and why does lord say that because in times of prosperity chances are very high that you would forget the lord and you should not forget that that you were once in the land of egypt that you were once people who didn't have anything you were once slaves and and it's from there that the lord brought you here and it says it is the lord your god you shall fear him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear and you shall not go after other gods look at look at look at how god repeats all of this right it says take care that you should not forget the lord i'm just telling you that that today you know we all live in the cities we we by god's grace i think i think i think um, most of us have all the basic necessities that we need in life has god become and uh, a good to have thing or 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 do we really love him with our heart soul and strength right have we forgotten we, we will say we haven't forgotten the lord but is 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 god all that we desire and need do we really believe that god is all that we need or do we believe that he is good to have he is good to have with us that is something which which that's a question that we need to ask ourselves okay and it says that it is the lord your god you shall fear him only you shall serve and 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 by his name you shall swear he is the source of everything and he is he is the object of our worship and this is something which we should not forget and it again says you shall not go after other gods so when you go into this land you are not supposed to go after other gods now this was such a problem because in hindsight when we read the rest of the book of judges and 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 the other books in the old testament we know that people constantly kept slipping back they constantly kept going back into the gods of this world and why because it really appealed to their flesh because all their wicked and evil practices appealed to the human flesh and as a result of which they constantly left god and they were constantly attracted towards towards uh, towards these other detestable gods but god is expecting us god is expecting us to 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 have him um as the as the prime uh, to, to keep him uh, in the prime place in our hearts and he must be our our focus and and it is it is our devotion to him that god requires and verse 15 says for the lord your god is in your midst he's a jealous god right he's a jealous god he seeks your attention and he's not one of the things for you to give attention to but your entire attention should be on him he requires your complete attention like we like we uh, read earlier right he expects you to keep everything all days of your life he requires your 100% attention at all times because the lord the god who is in your midst is a jealous god and this is something that uh, uh, this is something that god god expects you to do and in this chapter which speaks about children all this is so clearly laid out right so 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 we have to ensure that our lives are in order for the next generation um, to come up in a godly way
and and as we and as and as we move on we find that this portion says that raising a godly generation requires us to be exemplary right they need to see that we are following the lord with 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 all the passion and with and and, and leading a life in an exemplary manner where we take care that you know we are not forgetting the lord where they see us giving glory and thanks to god at every stage in our life and where we fear him we serve him and we swear by his name which means we we swear allegiance to him and to him alone and where 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 you know all the other gods are not taking away our attention i know in a church we have done several sessions on gods uh, what are the other gods in our lives the idols in our lives so i'm not getting into that but we know everything that takes away the attention of god from our life right we know what else is is taking away our attention and focus but we should ensure that our attention goes back to god and that is required while we raise a godly generation we cannot be worldly and expect our kids to turn out fine for god we cannot we cannot be focused behind money and all the other things that the world offers and the world attracts us with and then expect the next generation to follow christ only god is 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 worthy of our worship and that is something which we need to keep in mind moving on okay we come to we come to uh, the next uh, the next um, portion which is deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 20 it says when your son asks you in time to come saying what do these testimonies and the statutes and the judgment mean which the lord our god commanded you and you shall say to them we were slaves to pharaoh in egypt and the lord brought us from egypt with a mighty hand and the lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against egypt and against pharaoh and all his households before our eyes and he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers and the lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the lord our god for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day and it would be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the lord our god as he has commanded us okay you know we should never we should never shy away from recounting the goodness of god in our lives especially to our children we should always talk to them about how god has led us wonderfully so far we should we should we should never um um let them forget who we were and and the facts who were we right who were we first of all we were people we were aliens we were people who had absolutely no hope and it's only because of jesus christ that we have hope we have meaning and that and that and our, and our life has has anything to uh, has anything significant and it's only because of what god 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 did for us right otherwise we would have been like anybody in this world we would have been like our neighbors we would have been like people on the streets we would have been people without any significance but the fact is like 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 what it says here that they were once in egypt and and the lord brought brought them out with a mighty hand that's what he did for us he saved us right from people having no significance in this world he's brought a significance he's put the righteousness of jesus christ upon us and he's given us significance and we should never stop recounting this um you know when it comes to our children and it says and 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 talk to them right tell them stories here it's speaking about 
how you recount to them how how pharaoh brought them uh, how how they were redeemed from the hand of pharaoh and we should constantly be talking to these talking to our children and reminding them that that it is only because of god we are what we are and we should always teach these statutes it says and the lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the lord our god for our good that he might preserve us alive as we are today it is for our good right god gave us all these laws and commands because that is for our good it is for our good when the lord laid out the 10 commandments and when god asked us to be different from the rest of the world why did he do it one is of course it glorifies god it is for our own good itself though it doesn't come naturally to us it doesn't appeal to our flesh but it is for our protection and it is for our very good itself so church i i i would just really like to challenge you that uh, that uh, that as we have this uh, this next generation that is growing up before us you know the point to note is raising a godly generation requires you to be reasonable right you need to be you need you, you need to be communicating to them you need to talk to them you need to recount testimonies you need to answer their questions because because um be, because we shouldn't have this attitude that you know you just listen to it because i am saying right this is a generation and i just want to say i just want to say this that this is a generation which which is way ahead uh, than than what we were when we were at that particular age because they are exposed to media they are exposed to a lot of things and when they ask you questions always keep an ear open for them and ensure that you do your best to answer them and always point back to the scriptures right tell them who we were and tell them who we are and tell them where we are going in future what the bible talks to us about our destiny point them to point point them to the bible at all times and 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 that is how we we can hope and expect to raise um, a godly generation and i just want to tell you that uh, that as we as we attempt to bring up a godly generation you know i just want to uh, and me as a man i just want to tell all the men all the men in the house all the men men in cvf you know you guys have a big responsibility uh, don't leave it to 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 your wives and i'm telling this to myself uh, more than i'm telling all of you that we need to take the charge at home to ensure that our kids are following the ways of god right don't don't uh, don't delegate it don't delegate it right you be in charge ensure that there's a plan ensure that the word of god is taught ensure that you reason with them ensure that you make time with them so that their hearts are channeled towards christ you know there's this um, there's this um, there was this evangelist uh, about whom i read his name is bill glass and he is an evangelist who counseled prisoners for almost 25 years um, he was involved in a jail ministry and he said that among the thousands of prisoners that he had met okay this is a very powerful statement and this is i'm i'm just telling this for all the men he says that among the thousands of prisoners that he had met not one of them not one of them genuinely loved their dad not one of them had a proper relationship with their dad it just shows you know how an importance what what is the importance that as a father you have in the home and i thought this was this was this was such a powerful statement it says that in his 25 years with the thousands of prisoners that he met he says that not one of them genuinely loved their dad and you know something even more powerful what he says is 95% of those people who are on death row okay which means who are sentenced to death obviously those who are sentenced to death 
they would have been convicted of some heinous crimes or they are perpetual uh, offenders. They must have been murderers, rapists, whoever, right? 95% of those on death row, they hated their fathers. They hated their fathers. So when fathers fail in the house, children fail, society fail, country fails, right? So as fathers, we need to do all it takes. We might have work. It's all genuine things that, that we have. But as fathers, we need to roll up our sleeves and do what it takes to, to provide the right leadership at home to raise a godly generation. You know, just, just look at this, right? Just look at this. Um, if we don't, we don't, we don't take anything from this world when we go back, right? We we return, we return uh, without anything. But the only thing that we can expect to take from this world are our kids, right? Um, um, you know, if if uh, if God has mercy and if our children put their faith and trust in Christ, that's the only position that we can expect to take when we when we leave this world. And so, and so I would really, I would really encourage all of us to, 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 to keep these things that we discussed, uh, you know, in your minds. And, and I told, uh, for those of you who don't have kids, I said, I'll come back with something, right? Uh, you might, you might be in your twenties, you might be in your thirties, you might not be married. Uh, you might be wondering, um, what am I going to do with all of this? I just want to tell you something. Okay. Um, um, you know, our kids, our kids, uh, the kids who are growing up, they really look to you guys uh, for a lot of things. They may not tell you this, but you are inspiring them with your very lifestyle uh, in several ways, right? So they are observing the way that you talk. They are observing your lifestyle. They are observing um, your motivations. They are observing uh, how you conduct yourself. And they are taking inspiration from that. There's a lot of things that our kids look to uh, look to getting inspired from 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 those who are senior to them than from their parents. Okay, so they might draw inspiration with a kind of uh, say say it could be the entertainment that you choose. It could be it could be your um, the the way you the way you dress up or the or or, or the kind of jobs that you do. You know, there are a lot of things that these kids get inspired from the younger generation, right? And so there's a role that you also have to play when it comes to modeling Christ for the little ones who are growing up in the church. And that's a big responsibility. That's a big responsibility. And I hope that, uh, that, uh, that, that praise God for these several young people that we have in this church whose hearts are on fire for God. And I just pray that, um, that uh, God would really uh, use you in the coming days for that as well. So, 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 so before we close, I just want to remind us of the few things that we, that we discussed, right? Raising a godly generation begins with loving God passionately. Let's love God passionately. And when we love God passionately, everything else comes as an outflow from the heart, right? It's, it's not seen as a chore, but it's, it's done because we really love God passionately. And then we said raising a godly generation requires us to teach diligently. We should be diligent. We should be careful. We should have a plan. We should be intentional in the way we bring up our kids. And then we said that uh, uh, raising a godly generation requires us to obey and live carefully, right? We should be examples before our children, right? They should see Christ in us. They should see that the decisions that we take, we take only because we fear God. 
and it's not because of anything else. We also said that raising a godly generation requires us to 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 be reasonable with our children, right? Let's not let's not cut off conversations. Let's let's ensure that conversations are facilitated at home, and that we keep we keep drawing their attention attention to who we were and what we are and to what we will become. You know, today for worship, um, Kishore. Uh, uh, spoke to us uh, about about the song by Isaac Watts, and incidentally, you know, I have this quote which came in our daily bread. These are some people who, at a very young age itself, um, they committed their lives to Christ, and 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 a whole lifetime they actually uh, they, they they actually spent um, seeking to bring glory to the name of God. I'm not reading this, but I was just reminded of that verse in uh, in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes and chapter. Uh, Ecclesiastes, I think, chapter 12 and verse 1, it says that, you know, uh, uh, remember your creator in the day of your youth, right? You have a whole lifetime in front of you. And that's what we need to challenge our kids to reflect upon, that they give, that they think about giving their whole lifetime to Christ. And so let's remember as we conclude that, you know, faith is not genetic. There are so many things that we, we genetically inherit from our parents, but faith is not one of them. We need to challenge our kids and we need to encourage them to have their own faith and to have their own conviction. And if there is any of us sitting here who think that we have got faith, um, who have inherited the faith from our parents, it is time that we reflect on our faith and think, is our faith really our own? Do I have my own personal conviction about who I am in Christ and in God? And with that, I would like to... Uh, close today's uh, meeting and I hope that uh, that you will reflect upon this and, and and I really hope that you have discussions around this in our cell groups as well. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together and talk about, um, about what you have laid uh, in the word of God when it comes to children, Father. Father, we pray that none of these kids in our church would perish. We pray that none of these kids would ever stray away from the faith but at a very young age itself, that they would, they would put their faith and trust in you, Lord, knowing that only you are worth it, Lord. Only you are, only you are the one that deserves our worship and that deserves our attention, Lord. And we pray that you would break all the other idols in, in their life and in our lives as well. And we pray that all of us uh, in this church, as this next generation grows up in front of our eyes, we pray that, uh, that we would do all it takes to direct their heart and to direct their focus towards you and towards Christ. Once again, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for being with us, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.